0: Good evening. good evening. It's good to see each one of you here tonight. I think we could fill up the first three rows on both sides of the church up here tonight, as many as are here tonight. But it's good to see you. Glad that you're here, church, this evening. Of course, youth convention, closing out service youth convention over in Beavertown tonight. Several of our people are over there. Williamsport got snowed out, so some of our people are stuck home up in Williamsport. On the other side of the mountain, I guess they got more snow over there than the no snow we got here. Uh, But it's good to see you. We're glad you're here tonight. Let's stand together this evening. Let's open the service with a word of prayer. Brother Lance, do you ask God's blessing on the service, please? Amen. Thank you. You May be seated. Brother Adrian's coming to lead us in our singing.
1: All right, we need your help tonight in this song service. The good thing is about when you have a smaller crowd, if the sermon gets long, yeah, they can just lay down. You have a whole, everybody has a whole row of themselves. And uh, we were traveling one time, I believe, from John F. Kennedy into Oslo, Norway. We were on a very large plane. I think it seated... Between 350 and 400 people it was an overnight flight and once we took off they said you know what you can move and you can sit wherever you want to sit and so there were I think three seats on this side there were five in the middle and three on that side and about 50 to 60 rows of that and so everybody just About two hours into the flight, and if you stood up, you didn't see anybody. (laughs) Everybody was out, (laughs) flat on their backs or on their faces, sleeping. Well, we're not going to do that tonight. We're going to sing. We're going to sing to start. Uh, Let's turn in our hymn books, if you would, please, for our first song tonight. I trust you've come ready with a testimony. I... I saw, I believe, somebody posted today that there were fourteen hundred seventy-seven people at the youth convention this morning. Fourteen hundred seventy-seven. Now I know the church is pretty big over there, but that's a ridiculous number. Uh, they were—they didn't all fit in there, let me tell you. But it's good to hear, and uh, the services have been good. One understand. so. Uh, Let's sing 452, 452 to start tonight, 452, when I see the blood,
2: Christ our Redeemer died on the cross, died for the sinner.
1: Just reading in in uh, the Bible just recently about the plagues of Egypt and uh, when they had to put the blood on the doorpost so the death angel would pass over. I'm glad that when Christ sees the blood, we still have the Passover. Pass over us when He sees the blood. I'm so glad for that tonight. Glad the blood covers. Now I, I think when I I think when I told my airplane story, I might have left out a little bit of a detail as we were singing, I thought of it. I mentioned the fact that it was a big plane. Okay. And I mentioned the fact that you couldn't see anyone after you got two hours into the flight, but I didn't tell you that there weren't 300 some people on board because if that would have been the case, you couldn't have, you would have seen everyone. But honestly, there were about 50 people on that flight. So you can understand how we all had plenty, plenty of room and I've seen that happen before. And I guess my biggest thought was, well, how in the world could they fly such a big plane uh, with all that fuel and pay for it? But anyhow, that's, that's not, I don't even know how we got there. But uh, anyhow. Anyone with the praise tonight? Anyone with the praise?
3: that it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm glad that that was open for me, because I needed it. Yes. And I'm thankful for Jesus tonight. I'm glad I serve him. A, a risen Savior, I'm glad I serve it. Prayer answering God. He's answered many prayers for us just recently, and I, I would love him. I want to see him one day face to face. We were talking about a trivia question. And I said, I think that'll probably be around the bottom of the list when we get to heaven to ask that question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) God knows our hearts, and Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we can look to him confidently, knowing that he has opened the door wide open for whosoever will Mm -hmm. in my world. Amen.
1: In life, we have a lot of questions. Um the songwriters a number of songwriters said that we'll understand it better by and by but i've often thought you know and our concept of heaven i'm not sure we 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 can really get we can really get a true picture of heaven until we get there but sometimes i wonder if you know we're not we're not even going to be thinking about asking questions when we get there because I think God's going to wipe away our tears. The Bible says it; He will. He'll wipe away the tears from our eyes. We'll understand it better, that's for sure. But we're not—maybe not even going to ever find out why. Uh, heaven's going to be a wonderful place. <laughs> I want to go there. Amen. All right. Anyone else? All right. You can get your chorus books out. If you would. And a request has come in tonight. I like it. I like when requests come in. So, anytime you have uh, uh, something you would like us to sing, there are so many songs between the two books that we have. And even the choruses that we don't have in our book, you're welcome, if I know them, you're welcome to, to have us sing them as well. Uh, so, anytime you have something, handed to me. We may do it that service. We may do it another time, but something has come in tonight. So we're going to sing 88 in the chorus book tonight. 88. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. All right, let's sing it. There are trivia questions, there are times in our home that we talk about a lot of things, and uh, we talk sometimes about what we're willing to die for, when we think about our salvation and uh, our church and what our church stands for, and so sometimes we bat these things, you know, back and forth, so uh, what what are you willing to stand up and die for and there's one in this song right here Calvary Calvary it's an important foundation of our doctrine hill called Mount Calvary for Calvary will stand we sing about it and that's one of those things that we should be willing to die for for our faith for Calvary all right, anyone else with a testimony tonight? I think probably we could have fit everyone in if everyone wants to testify. We could fit you in tonight. My voice says, Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, we should have a few more at least. All right, who wants to be next? 235. Okay, 235. That's the chorus book, right, Ellie? All right, 235. Could we go to A-flat? Thank you. We don't have the orchestra to deal with tonight, so. All right, let's sing it.
2: T'was a life filled with aimless desperation.
1: I am blessed. 158. 150. All right. Anyone else want to testify before we sing this song? This will be our last one. Anyone want to get the testimony in? Well,
4: I feel like I've been blessed, quite blessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, our family's had some problems in the, today, especially. Uh, there was a, a wreck, and nobody was hurt. So I thank and praise the Lord for that. Friday night, I was. Uh, going to, over to my son's uh, shop to be inside while we changed brakes. Well, we never got to the brakes that night, but, but because I had a problem with my alternator freezing up and it stopped, uh, everything stopped right in front of his shop and I was wound, went to put my window down and to ask him which way he wanted me to go in and it wouldn't move. And uh, a, the belt got so hot it melted a pulley, plastic pulley. <laughs> So, uh, but I thank the Lord that, uh, you know, it, it wasn't uh, halfway between here and there or something there like go. that. It was right in front of his shop, right on his property. So, I appreciate that. Appreciate what the Lord does for me uh, every day, really. Uh, there's always something new and some, some new challenge. And I thank and praise the Lord for what he does.
1: Amen. <clears throat> Anyone else? All right, 150.
2: The chimes of time bring out the new.
1: for your good singing. Appreciate the testimonies.
0: Amen. As we go to prayer tonight, let's continue to remember Jacinda Mason in our prayers. The Lord would continue to be with her, touch her. Let's remember her. Um, I can't remember his name. His name doesn't come to mind at the moment, but there's a GBS student who was involved in a very bad sledding accident about a week or two ago Um, let's be remembering him in prayer Um, i'm again his name slips my mind but i know the doctors were concerned about uh, paralysis and he's going through therapy trying to recover from that let's be praying uh, for this young man a member of one of their singing groups Uh, but let's be praying for this individual tonight let's take him before the throne i think of him jerry tonight let's remember jerry in our prayers this evening Uh, praying for him, Um, dealing with a cough. Let's ask that God would just touch him in that way. Remember him tonight. The youth convention closing out service this evening. God's presence will again meet with him. The youth as they go their separate ways uh, throughout the... Tonight, tomorrow, and throughout the coming weeks, that God would continue to work in their lives, that God would just just strengthen them and help them to just live for Him every single day. Let's pray uh, that way this evening. The Spangler's traveling home tomorrow. The Lord would protect and help and keep them. If you have requests you'd like to mention before we go to prayer tonight. Stephen. Let's remember Stephen tonight. Sure. Sure. Let's remember our nation in prayer tonight. Our nation's leaders, situations around the world. Appreciate
1: prayers for uh, some friends of ours suffered a horrible tragedy on Friday, and uh, I can't share details now. But horrendous, and I would just appreciate prayers.
0: Sure. Sure. Let's remember this family in our prayers tonight. All right, our bus ministry, those involved, let's be praying for the children, for the families, for the workers involved in the bus ministry, probably preparing to leave to head back home right about now, but let's remember them as we go to prayer. This evening, unspoken needs signified by an upraised hand, God knows about each one of those. As we kneel in prayer tonight, Brother De Stefano, would you lead us before the throne, let's join together with him. Just one announcement. I want to mention this evening that is not listed in, uh, not listed in your bulletin, um, but want to make you aware of. There is a plan to try to take a sports uh, a group of men down to the sportsmen's show. Here for the week of February 5, 6, or 8. There's a sign-up sheet back there on the bulletin board with specific instructions telling you how to mark what days would work best for you. Uh, if you would be interested in going to the sportsman's Show, uh, would you look at that? Would you look at that sign-up sheet back there and indicate when you'd be interested in going? Um, and if we get enough interest on a particular day, we'll plan to go down there again. The dates February 5, 6, or 8th, One of those dates we plan on going down. All right, ushers, if you'll come this time for the evening uh, tithes and offering. All right. Brother Hoffman, we yes, ask God's blessing on the offering, please. Thank you for your giving this evening. We have a special number in song. in the night. Thank you, Carrie, for that song this evening. Now, if you see Brother Adrian lay down, <laughs> you'll know I've preached too long. And he's really tempting me to see if I can preach long enough to make him lay down. <laughs> uh, if you have your Bibles with you this evening, Romans chapter 8. Going to Romans chapter 8 to a familiar portion of Scripture, really an absolutely beautiful portion of Scripture tonight. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word and to prolong your time till you lay down. Romans 8 will begin in verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises of your word. Thank you that it speaks to us today, many, many, many years later. Father, we ask that you would meet with us tonight, that your presence would be sensed. Encourage and strengthen us through your word. Draw us closer to you, we pray, and in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Joshua chapter 5, we read an amazing encounter that Joshua had with a being or a person who is described as the captain of the host of the Lord. As the story goes, Joshua is preparing to attack the city of Jericho. Already he has heard the report of the spies. The spies have spied out Jericho. Of course, they enter the city there. They're protected from the people who want to capture them by, by Rahab. And, and then they return to Joshua and give the report. The Israelites have crossed the Jordan River. That in of itself is a miraculous encounter because they, they cross on dry ground across the river to the other side. Joshua is is spiritually preparing for the Israelites, for the conquest of Canaan. This is the promised land. Of course, you'll remember, however many, 40 years ago, 40 years they've wandered in the desert because 40 years ago, the the Israelites didn't trust God to deliver them from the inhabitants of Canaan to inherit the promised land, and so they're cursed and they're sent for 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And, And these people that have crossed the Jordan, all of them were either young or not yet born by when, when Israel was here at, at the Jordan River at the Jordan River before, of course with the exception of Caleb and Joshua, two people that God set aside, set separate. Of course Joshua now being the leader, Moses successor the leader of the children of Israel. So they're spiritually preparing then for the conquest of Canaan, coming into the promised land. What God has said is theirs. All the males have been circumcised. The Passover has been commemorated. and And the people are preparing themselves then for what lies before them. At some point during this preparation then, we get this encounter. Joshua has this encounter with the captain of the host, of the Lord, Joshua is doing something and he looks up and he sees this man with a drawn sword. And Joshua approaches the man and he asks him a question. He says, are thou for us or for our adversaries? It seems that, that Joshua mistook or didn't really understand who was standing before him. He thought maybe this was a soldier who was either an Israelite or a Canaanite, either of of the race of Israel or of the races of the people that they are going to attack. And so he asks this question, are thou for us or are you for our adversaries? The captain responds and says nay or no, but he is or he is the captain of the host of the Lord. And he says, I am now come. The captain says, I'm not an Israelite, I'm not a Canaanite, I'm not one of these people to whom you refer to, but it is me, the captain of the host of the Lord, and I have now come. At this point, the encounter gets very interesting. Joshua throws himself on the ground before this captain and begins to worship him. Now, in other times in Scripture, I think of John in the book of Revelation, when the angel is is revealing things to him. John throws himself on the ground and begins to worship the angel, and the angel says, no, 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 don't worship me, you worship the Lord. In this encounter, the captain of the host did not rebuke Joshua when he threw himself down and worshipped him. In fact, it gets more interesting Because the captain of the the host of the Lord says, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. Well, that there is a very interesting statement. That's a familiar statement in Old Testament literature. We go back to Moses in the desert when he's a shepherd in the middle of nowhere. Sees a burning bush that isn't burning up. It's burning, but it's not being consumed. And he approaches. And God speaks from that burning bush and tells him, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. It's these things, these clues make us think when we look at this story that this isn't just an angel. This isn't just some heavenly being. This is God appearing to Joshua here Here, before he goes to Jericho, most likely the pre-incarnate Christ. God appearing in human form to Joshua. And it is during this encounter, or, or, or directly after this encounter, that the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, See, I have given into thy hand Jericho. So we have this encounter with Joshua and the captain of the host, and it's a really short, really just short statement there in the Bible, and very few clues or very few details are given there. And then we have it, it says in the next chapter, the Lord spoke to Joshua and says, See, I have given into thy hand Jericho. When Joshua first saw then this captain of the host of the Lord, he asked a very important question. But I'm not sure he fully understood how important of a question he was asking to this captain here. He seems to ask the captain, are you an Israelite or you're a Canaanite? Are you for us or are you against us? And and the answer to that question is no, this captain is not an Israelite. This captain is not a Canaanite. But, But that isn't the final answer to the question. For in a spiritual sense, it seems the captain does answer the question. And the captain does prove on whose side he truly is. The beginning of chapter 6, the Lord tells Joshua that the Lord will give Jericho into their hands. And then he gives some very strange commands. These We're used to the story, but this is, this is weird commands. Go walk around the city once every day for six days... And then come the seventh day and walk around the city seven times. Don't make any noise until the end. And then all the priests pull their trumpets, everybody shout really loud. That's not what they would teach you in, in, in military school, I don't believe. That's not good strategy for attacking the city. But this is what God has said to Joshua. Of course, they fulfill what, what, what God said. They, 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 they practice it. They march around the city, and after everyone shouts, God knocks down the walls surrounding Jericho. No siege has, has been conducted to accomplish this task. There isn't siege weapons. There's no, no, no explosives have been planted. God knocks these massive walls down. And in so doing... The Lord answered Joshua's question. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? The Lord demonstrated to Joshua that when Joshua and the Israelites obeyed God, God was on their side. This lesson is further reinforced in the next two chapters of the story because right after Jericho, we have the battle of Ai. And if you're familiar with that, right after, at the end of the Jericho account, we find a wicked man named Achan. The Israelites have been told, don't plunder any of Jericho. Don't take, don't take this stuff. And Achan, what does he do? He goes and takes what he's not supposed to he hides it. Nobody knows. They go have a battle at Ai, and they've just conquered Jericho, and they lose miserably in the battle of Ai. And Joshua goes before the Lord. What's going on? The Lord says there's sin in the camp. There's wickedness being committed. What, 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 what is going on here? The Israelites have disobeyed. God's not on their side. Well, then Israel deals with the sin in the camp. They deal with Achan. Achan stoned along with his family. The camp has been purified. They go to battle again, and God grants an amazing victory. When the Israelites obeyed God, God was on their side. Joshua's question, are you for us or against us? It's not a simple answer, but when Joshua obeyed God... God proved that he was on Joshua's side. Skip forward to the New Testament. We read Romans 8. If God be for us, who then can be against us? Just like when the Israelites were in Canaan, today, over 3,000 years later, the scriptures tell us that God... Is for us. To whom exactly is this promise given? You might ask. Well, the answer is found in the two preceding verses, uh, verses uh, 29 and 30. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of a son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also. Glorified. Here God, through the writings of Paul, shows a progression of each one of his children. God knew each person long before they were born in eternity past. Eternity past is a concept impossible to understand. It is forever backwards. We live with a finite understanding, and everything we know outside of God has a beginning. This universe has a beginning. Our life has a beginning. Stuff in this world has a beginning, but God has no beginning. It's forever back. And forever back there, God knew us and loved us. It's an amazing, amazing thought. But at some point in each believer's life... God reached down and called that each person. This is called prevenient grace. It's the grace that goes before. It's God reaching into our lives and drawing us unto himself. God calls us. The sinner then responds to the beckoning grace of God by repentance and confession and belief, and God justifies that person or declares that person righteous because of the death of Jesus on the cross and the blood that was shed. He he then becomes the atonement for that individual sin and God declares that person who once was a sinner and deserving of hell God says because of the atonement of Christ you now are righteous stand forgiven stand redeemed Those then who are saved and live for Christ one day have the hope of glorification in the future. When we pass on into eternity, the corruption of the flesh, the limitations of this world will be no more and we will be glorified and stand in the presence of the Lord. But in the middle of this progression between justification and glorification, there is a process that Paul calls being conformed to the image of his son. In fact the, the the scripture here indicates that in eternity past God's will for you was to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. This process then most certainly includes the act of entire sanctification which is essential to the Christian life but it also includes a way of life of conforming to Christ of conforming to Christ in the heart when God changes our heart when he He saves us from sin but he cleanses the heart then through faith when he sanctifies us entirely. The carnal mind or body of sin that, that resides within must be destroyed and so God conforms our heart to himself by purifying it, by getting rid of that ugliness that resists against him. But there's more than just the heart to be conformed. Our actions must be conformed to Christ. We must obey God in all that we do. This requires our will to say yes to Jesus and no to sin every single day. And as we daily practice this, we will grow in discipline. And we are being more conformed to the image of Christ but the mind also must be conformed. Romans 12, too, speaks of an ongoing transformation of the mind where, where God wants our mental responses to life situations and our, our, the way we think in every area of our life, every day of our life to think like Christ. And so he says, "Be not tra- be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Romans 12, this is God conforming our minds to the image of Christ this then is what God is doing in the life of his people and it is these people these people who have been justified, who have been been loved, foreknew, who have been called who have been justified and are being conformed to the image of Christ, it is to these people then that this message goes out, God is for you what an encouragement friends To our hearts, to think, to think tonight that, that the scriptures do say, and they repeat it in times throughout the Psalms, God is for us. God is for us. God has assured us that he is for us. And then he has proved it to us by the actions that he's taken, by the ways in which which he has worked in our lives, that God is for us. He shows us then that he's for us because he's called us uncondemned. In Romans 8:1 it says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Perhaps one of the most singular most beautiful scriptures in all of the Bible is Romans 8:1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. For they walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Verse 33 of Romans 8, in our passage we read tonight, the Bible asks the question, Who? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who is going to accuse one of my children, is, is what the scripture is saying. In verse 34, the question is repeated, Who is he that condemneth? You see, there's an enemy of our souls who wants to condemn us. He wants to accuse us of accuse us of anything he can. Re- Revelation 12 identifies the devil as the accuser of the brethren. He wants to bring up the past. He wants to lay it at your feet and accuse you of sin once more. But thank God he separated our sin as far as the east is from the west. The sin is under the blood. No sins are no longer charged to our account. They have been atoned for by the blood of Jesus Christ. All On that cross, he took the punishment, he bore the punishment for our sins, and now we no longer are condemned. Paul, in this passage, he points to the cross when he asks the question, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is Christ that died. That's sufficient. That's sufficient for those accusations. They are under the blood. Your accusations have no standing here. Get out of here, Satan. My people stand redeemed and forgiven. Once more, Christ has risen from the grave. He today intercedes on our behalf. The devil may accuse, but Christ intercedes before the Father for us. There is no ground for these accusations. Those sins are under the blood. They are forgiven. We stand uncondemned. Friends, God is on our side. God shows us that he's on our side by, by, by pronouncing us uncondemned and making us uncondemned by his forgiveness. But then he also assures us that we are more than conquerors. In verse 35, Paul asks the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? and Paul lists multiple hardships that people and Christians face in their life tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Sometimes you face hardships because you're a Christian. Sometimes you face hardship because you're in a sinful, fallen world where people have made horrible decisions and the result of those sinful decisions it means that sin is around us and this world is cursed and there are terrible horrible things that happen paul quotes psalm forty four twenty two: for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter friends the christian does not have it all easy and indeed the christian may even face death for what they believe Yet God is still there. In Psalm 23 Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God does not leave us alone, he has overcome the world. In John, Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. And through Him, as Paul writes, we now are more than conquerors. There indeed are trials and hardships in life. There are deep valleys and dark nights, but God is on the side of His children. And there is comfort, and there is rest, and there is hope, and there is strength, and there is is aid for the trial and the difficulty you go through with God. Through Him we are victorious. Through Him we are more than conquerors. If God before us who then can be against us god assures his children that he is on their side that they stand before him uncondemned that they are indeed more than conquerors and finally with these beautiful words he loves them Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, asked Paul. Who indeed can separate us from God's love? Is there anything else, anything in all of creation powerful enough to separate us from God's love? The understood answer to this question is there is nothing that can separate us from his love. It's an amazing, powerful assurance of God's love to his people. And yet there are those who will try to take this passage, this beautiful message, and try to distort it and preach things that are wrong through it. Some will preach that this verse indicates it is impossible for, for one to ever lose their salvation. That it sing, they think that it signifies that you can rebel against God. You can walk out in sin. You can go your own way and reject all that God has. And somehow because of this verse that, that you're still eternally secure. But, friend, they miss the context of this whole passage, which is directed towards the person who has been justified, who is walking in the Spirit, as Romans 1 began, walking not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This passage isn't dealing with the the people who are sinning and rejecting God. It's dealing with God's people. It is saying that the individual who is walking with God need not worry that there's any other power that is going to come along and destroy their relationship with God. O soul that loves God, take heart at this promise. God's love is extended to you. He is revealing the extent of his love, the power of his love, a, a, a bond so strong that no other force is able to break it. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. He is working all things out for the good of them that love him. Yes, indeed, God is on our side friends the scriptures often present us with many convicting passages the Bible often is summoning us to to grow deeper and mature in our walk with Christ over and over we're confronted with what God expects and what God wants the Bible is also full of the promises of God his love His grace, His mercy, His help extended to His children. And tonight we remember some of these promises. God is on the side of His children. His children stand before Him uncondemned. His children then are more than conquerors through Him. His children are secure in His love. And so, friend, we rest ...upon these promises. We stand upon these promises. We can face tomorrow... ...because of these promises. And remember tonight, remember the promises given to us in Romans 8. God in his mercy, what a wonderful God to extend all of that to us, to declare us uncondemned, to make us uncondemned by his power, by the blood that he shed, to give us victory and conquer the ability to conquer through the most difficult situations in life. And his bond of love that reaches to us, that is so strong, that that no other force is able to break it. Praise God. Thank God. Thank the Lord that he is on our side, on the side of his children, those who obey him, those who follow him. Take comfort in the fact God is on our side stand together this evening. I've asked Brother Adrian to lead us in a closing song tonight. I believe it's page 687, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, 687. Standing on the promises. Tonight, we stand on God's promises. Let's, let's sing this together tonight.
2: on the promises of christ my king through eternal ages let his praises bring glory in the highest i will shout and sing standing on the promises Yeah.
0: This week, find rest and strength in the promises of God. Praise his name. Sister DeStefano, would you close us in prayer?